Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast instant reaction show. Every week we get together, myself, Kenneth Arthur, J.B. Scott, Chris Daniel of Turf Show Times, and talk about what just happened to the Rams. And it seems like it's a bit of a broken record this season, consistently going, I don't know what happened, you know, and whether the Rams squeaked out a win or lost badly you know it hasn't really had an opportunity this whole season to really celebrate a single game which is surprising given that the Rams just won the Super Bowl with largely the same roster we knew that this week the Rams would have a slightly different roster uh, with uh, John Wolford starting at quarterback and Ty Niseki starting at left tackle, another player who wasn't on the roster at the beginning of the year or even the first month of the year, and now is starting on the offensive line, just like we've seen for some other players already, uh, and at running back and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but after the Rams lose to the Cardinals 27-17, you know, we have some time here to reflect uh, watching the end of the Packers-Cowboys game in which the Packers win in overtime. Green Bay getting a, a huge midseason win to give them a little bit of belief going into the home stretch to be one of those wild card teams. And the Rams had that same opportunity, couldn't do it. Early, very early in the day, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win their second game in a row. And all of a sudden, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay have got that. I don't I don't like momentum, but let's just say momentum going into the home stretch here. And the Rams lose 27 to 17. And no point did the offense look good. Really, at no point did it really even feel that bad, though, because the offense hasn't looked much better all season long. So it's hard to say that the Rams feel like a team that has something in the tank like the Bucks and the Packers. And uh, if, even if they are not officially eliminated from the playoffs at this point at four and, or three and six, and technically, you know, the Rams could sweep the Seahawks and uh, you would think that would put them right back in the NFC West, but just feels like this could be, you know, finally, we're not going to say next week is a must-win game. I think we're just going to say, let's just hope that the Rams can uh, put on a show of some sort. So, uh, Chris, you know, the Rams lose here 27-17. to 17. You've, you've already said, you know, sort of uh, after last week's game, that was probably the end. Uh, so, I, I would imagine, Chris, that your opinion hasn't changed after this one. Unfortunately, no. Uh, it, it's it's uh, let's see if we can climb out of the basement of the NS, NFC West at this point. You know, now it's all about baby steps to kind of seeing if we can turn this into a kind of respectable season um, because the playoffs are a non-factor at this point. Yeah, and you know that is that is definitely the case. Even though, just some sort of strange things happening this season, you never know. Uh, definitely some strange things happening on Sunday, and uh, you know, for the Rams, also just hoping that they come out of this without a serious injury to Cooper Cup as he leaves with an ankle injury, and it just seems like one thing after the other. Cooper if, Cup. If I can. If I can yeah. just jump in real quick, uh, Kenneth. Uh, so Sean McVay did already come out and say there, there's not an update on 
the injury, but he said that it doesn't look good or sound good. And when he says that, it's usually pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. And then thank you for the uh, interjection. Yeah, that's uh, not what coaches tend to say unless, you know, they know they're preparing for a big announcement, you know, in the coming days. So it seems like with Stafford out this week and with the Rams falling to three and six and Cooper Cup potentially missing, let's just say extended time uh, and stop short of saying the rest of the season, you know, let's just see what they, what they say. But knowing that uh, the Rams are falling out of it, uh, JB, what should the Rams do next week? You know, what, how do the Rams move forward when prepared differently next week or, or what are they preparing for, you know, should they be thinking about their long-term health or thinking about doing whatever it takes to win? Well, I guess, you know, losing Cooper Cup, who's, you know, a leader, a captain on the team, it's catastrophic. And, you know, it does a lot just as much for the locker room as it does on-field performance, right? But I guess one silver lining, if he's absent moving forward, is that you're absolutely going to find out what you have in Allen Robinson and whether he can be a piece of the future moving forward or not. So he's effectively going to be your number one receiver now. And if he doesn't step up and doesn't seize those reins, then uh, you got to find a way to move on or supplement this offense in some way in 2023 and beyond. But I was really disappointed. I think anytime you have your backup quarterback in, it's a chance to return to the fundamentals of the offense. It's a time to add smoke and mirrors on top of that. Maybe clear the bench. Uh, you know, Tutu Atwell's a, ha- a healthy scratch in this game. I think that was puzzling. And, you know, you have Bryce Perkins coming in at times and, the plays that the Rams run ran when Bryce Perkins was on the field were awful. They established no threat with him throwing the ball. His only pass was a screen to Cooper Cup that was tackled for negative three yards. Uh, he was primarily in there as a pass or as a runner and just almost like a wildcat type formation. That is not the way to leverage his talents. And, you know, do the Rams watch John Wolford in practice? Because how do you, if Matthew Stafford wasn't even practicing in training camp and Wolford was running with the first team offense, how do you, watch him throw the football and think that he, you know, can be relied on in this situation. Uh, he's just not an NFL caliber thrower. And uh, he was erratic and inaccurate the entire game. Passes were sailing over guys' heads. And he got, you know, Cooper Cup hurt. And also Van Jefferson banged up at one point, too. So how do the Rams watch him in practice and feel comfortable trotting him out in this situation? Yeah, that is a great point. You know what? I, I just cannot wrap my head around the decisions here with Wolford and Perkins. And, you know, either one of them just seems like a player who at their peak career moments would have been a third string quarterback, you know, for a year or two with a team that was, you know, trying to give it a shot. But now this is John Wolford's fifth year in the NFL, his fourth with Sean McVay, his third as the backup. You know, as you said, practices, there were times this season when the Rams, uh, in the preseason when the Rams finally decided to uh, surprise start John Wolford. And, you know, then with Bryce Perkins, it's his third year on the team. It's not his first year. You know, these were not players that were, you know, drafted and had any competition. You wouldn't think that, you know, if Bryce Perkins isn't better than what we saw from John Wolford today, you wouldn't think that he's in danger of being picked up by another team. So, you know, it's, it's almost like how many missed opportunities here with the roster, especially for a team that has such bad depth, you know, bad depth at tight end, bad depth at wide receiver, bad depth, 
you know, at certain offensive line positions, although at this point we're talking about their third and fourth string and practice squad guys. So, you know, those things have just been completely obliterated, but, you know, no edge rushing help, you know, bad depth at safety. No, it's just like all of these other areas that they don't have. And yet they've kept John Wolford and Bryce Perkins as the backups for a team and a quarterback who's in his mid thirties being asked to throw 700 and he can't, you know, it's just like, that's not, he's going to wear down. And so it really is kind of shocking that that was the move for three years. uh, And at no point did the Rams or Sean McVay ever entertain the idea of having a, a very, you know, strong insurance policy for Matthew Stafford, Chris, what it, what were your thoughts on John Wolford and the passing offense and, and the limitations today therein? Yeah, I mean, there was really nothing there, uh, and that kind of probably should have been the expectations. Um, and you know, he padded his stats a little bit with that last drive. He got just alone on that last drive. I think he got like sixty-five yards and a touchdown. So it's gonna look. If you just look at the numbers, it may look a little bit better. But if you watch the game, you knew that you know that it was it was bad. It was bad all the way around. Uh, just like JB said, that throw to the sideline that Cooper Cup went up to go get—that's a—that's an overthrow. You, if you put it on the money, or if you just put it out of bounds, we're not we're not having a conversation about. Cooper Cup no longer, or let's not say no longer playing this year. But we're not having the conversation about Cooper Cup being hurt right now. You know, it it was a bad performance. He he, it was it was bad, but it's what we should have expected for the simple fact that the offense as a whole has looked bad all season. It's not like going to John Walford or going to Bryce Harkins was going to make this offense any better. You know, it was abysmal on Thursday, third down, as always, uh, three, four, 11. Uh, he did get that one touchdown on third down. Uh, and it was his first career touchdown. So first career passing touchdown. So congratulations to him for that. That's something, you know, I'm sure you talk to your grandkids about down the road. But it, it wasn't enough. Um, and it, it's not going to be enough going forward. Like now you start to consider – we're not going to have Cooper Cup, let's say, at least next week. So is there a point of rushing Matthew Stafford back? Do we trot John Walford or Bryce Com- uh, Bryce Perkins or some kind of combination of the two? Do we trot that out next week? And, again, continue to put our receivers in further harm's way? It's, it's just not something that um, – not something that you really envisioned the season getting to, uh, especially coming off of Super Bowl victory. Um, the one thing that I'm looking forward to, uh, again, obviously you don't want Cooper Cup to be gone, but it's Lance McCutcheon season. Get Lance McCutcheon's in there. Want to see him? We want to see him, and he's he's probably had a decent amount of reps with the backup quarterbacks too. So let's see. It. Right. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. Again, these are the strange roster decisions to me, you know, that Lance McCutcheon is, again, a guy who's been on the roster the the whole year. And uh, it usually a healthy scratch. And then Tutu Atwell, you know, it's like, why are both of these guys, you know, necessarily on the roster if they're at when you've got a position that's that need that something is not working, you know, uh, whether it be with Allen Robinson or 
uh, or Skoranek or whatever it be. It's like whether it's Tutu Atwell or Lance McCutcheon or, or Brandon Powell, uh, there's just no weaponry there, you know? So it's like, it really will be tested here with, with Cooper cup out to see, can any of these players, like, like you said, Chris, uh, uh, um, we're going to see here some stuff here with Allen Robinson and, uh, and, and Van Jefferson finally had a catch. He finishes with three catches for 27 yards. And as you said, a touchdown, um, and, uh, Tyler Higby, eight catches for 73 yards and, uh, saved a few moments there with the, uh, tight end screen passes, but yeah, just not, it's not necessarily a, just an offense. A lot of those stats, as you said, were padded and it's just not necessarily an offense where it's like. I mean, they were so close to scoring 10 points again. And, you know, at least whether you were the Packers or the Bucks, those teams could put up some points and you feel like uh, had more chances to win. Uh, JB, what what else were your thoughts and your, your big takeaways here uh, from this game? Because, you know, this was really the team that won this game would keep their season alive and a little bit of spark of life. You know, what what what, what was your big takeaway from this? I mean, we can be very critical of McVay's offensive play calling. And whenever you have a backup in, not leaning on the running game is a fair criticism, I think. And the running game overall was, you know, pretty effective today. And, you know, you mix Kyron Williams in towards the end of the game, but and he really kind of gave you a spark on that last drive, three catches for 30 yards. What, where was he the first, you know, three quarters? That was really a, a shocking thing for me. But is McVay's demeanor, has it seemed different to you guys this year? And, you know, I understand who he's getting married. He's trying to have a new work-life balance, right? But I'm just not seeing the same, you know, fiery passion and energy and attacking each day in the same way. And I wonder if that's, you know, kind of an impression that he's left on this team too. So where was the sense of urgency? You were fighting for your life in this game. And, you know, you came up, you came out flat. You came out and like, where are the trick plays in the desperation type plays you usually see with teams that are playing a backup quarterback? It was just you know, hyper-conservative again, and you know, you're throwing these you know, wide receiver screens, you're not doing much, and I think it's just a huge missed opportunity in that regard. Yeah, what were your thoughts on the the, the decisions when they when they came for Bryce Perkins, JB? What were your, you know, in terms of just like, they weren't really trick plays, you know, it's just like, what, do you, what were your thoughts on those play calls? I mean, I hated the utilization of Bryce Perkins. I'm glad that they got him involved, and I really thought you'd see a platoon in some way, either in short yardage or goal line situations, but you have to establish him as a threat as a passer in order to make, you know, utilize his legs as a true threat. Right. And, you know, just, it was a wildcat type formation where that's not really the best way to use him. Like uh, there was zero chance he was ever going to throw the ball downfield. He had that screen to Cooper cup, of course, but uh, uh, he's, he's a dangerous and he's an elite are an explosive type athlete, but you really, uh, you really like, detrimentally used him tonight. And it's, it's again, you know, it's like for, for all the, the Rams decisions to draft Van Jefferson, Cam Akers, uh, Daryl Henderson, you know, any of these players who have just not quite, um, did I say Tutu Atwell yet? You know, any of these day two picks, I mean, in the third round picks have been really rough, you know, from the Bobby Evanses to, uh, you know, to Terrell Burgess and you can just name them all. And it's like, Maybe at least if you take a day two shot at a quarterback, you know, people might go, oh, why are you picking a quarterback in the second round if you have Matthew Stafford or or if you're picking one when Jared Goff's around, are you are you replacing Jared Goff? You know, all these kinds of questions that would have come up. But 
Hey, welcome to questions. If it gives you a player with some actual upside with his arms, with his legs, whatever it's going to be, you know, because I'm sure that we can go back on the records and find, oh, you passed on Jalen Hurts. Oh, you passed on this guy, that guy. And uh, there should have been maybe somebody here with some upside or a, or a, a, a veteran of some sort, you know, because I'm sure that part of it comes just down to how much money they were ready to allocate to that position. Uh, Chris, and as far as what JB was talking about with Sean McVay's demeanor or any of the commentary on quarterback, did you have anything to add there? I mean, so in terms of the demeanor, I mean, he does seem a little defeated. I mean, I'm sure part of that is like after, so after you eat, you're not hungry. The Rams ate last year. They got the Super Bowl. So I wouldn't expect the same kind of urgency. I would have expected a little bit better than what we're seeing this season. Um, and then, you know, taking account, the man just lost his grandfather a couple weeks ago. I'm sure that's weighing on him. You add in the situation um, with what his wife is going through, with what's going on uh, overseas in Ukraine. I mean, he's got a lot of stuff going on personally that I'm sure is weighing on him. And then I, I know he's hearing, um, he's hearing, I mean, he's seeing what his offense is doing. You've been called an offensive genius. Your team head coach is an offensive guy. This blame is laid at your feet when you're putting this kind of performance out there. You know, like imagine for a second if the Rams didn't beat the 49ers last year, right? 49ers go to the Super Bowl and play in SoFi. They probably beat the Bengals. And then you have this kind of follow-up to that. Like you could question whether or not he would kind of be on the hot seat a little bit now Stan Kroenke has been very patient with Jeff Fisher so there wouldn't be any reason to be uh impatient with Sean McVay especially since the 49ers didn't win that game and the Rams did win the Super Bowl but yeah it, it's it's a little bit puzzling it's almost to the point where it's okay let's just get out of this season relatively healthy that's already taking a hit and the game plan kind of seems like to me at least um that he expected the defense to kind of bail them out. So if we just play super conservative, we'll be able to find a way to try to pull it out at the end, which is foolish because the Rams have been terrible in the fourth quarter this season. But he didn't, again, he kind of played not to lose the game instead of going for it, you know? Now, is John Walford capable of leading the team in an effort to, quote, go for it? Probably not, but that's what you have. You'd get less blame if there was more creativity, more attempts at getting points on the board versus such a stagnant performance when, in all honesty, it could have been 27 to 10. And it could have been worse because John Walford, if I'm not mistaken, had two dropped interceptions. Uh, at least one dropped and one close. It, it could have been much worse. So it, it, it's very disappointing to to get to this point in the season. Uh, I'm and he said, you know, they said during the game, he said we're gonna find out about ourselves moving forward. Well, you're damn right. We're about to find out where Sean McVay can go when. He has nothing to lose because this is probably the first time in his Rams coaching career. He's got nothing right. to lose. Nothing right. to lose. Right. Yeah. And there's also just, um, 
the fact that the Cardinals were a bad team as well. You know, the Cardinals had so many offense struggles and the Cardinals were starting Colt McCoy over, uh, not over Kyler Murray, but in, in, you know, replacement of Kyler Murray. So to, you know, you've had this feeling that like, Oh, if, if the the Cardinals had won this game and John Wolford had started, you could just blame uh, the fact that Matthew Stafford wasn't in there. But no, the Cardinals had Cole McCoy in there and, and proved, hey, there's you can have a backup of some quality here. You know, we never rank backup quarterbacks one to thirty-two, but I think we learned today and through some of the other teams in the league that you know Colt McCoy might be somewhere up on, on the upper echelon perhaps of backups you know guys that have come in and won games in recent seasons and i think the rams similar to a lot of other positions might be you know at the uh in terms of depth you know in the 30 31 32 range which is just so strange for a team that uh had two backups um and Bryce Perkins really you know just couldn't even be utilized you know just couldn't even you know uh be a threat to come in and just flat out replace John Wolford you know there was nothing there for like hey here's another option and then you've got guys on other teams PJ Walker was a fourth string quarterback for Carolina you know Bailey Zappi was third string for the New England Patriots and these guys are out playing the Rams backup quarterback so that's what's so strange, just because you know that Sean McVay and Les Need have had an eye for talent in the past and putting players in the best position to succeed. So why wouldn't it work this year, too? Um, it, that's what's so surprising to me. Uh, I made a tweet not to be, you know, not to say anything controversial. I just found it surprising because because we know how bad the Jeff Schiffer, Jeff Schiffer, Jeff Fisher Rams were. So I just found it surprising that the Rams in 2016, very similar uh, offensively, defensively uh, to the Rams of today, you know, and it's not to say that Jeff Fisher and Sean McVay are on the same level. It's just saying, wow, I didn't, that's how bad the Rams are playing right now. They're playing as bad as that. Uh, but we expect Sean McVay to do better than that because he has a much, you know, he has a strong history, unlike uh, Jeff Fisher. So uh, JB, you know, we talked about Stafford and the Lions, um, you know, do the Rams remind you of the, the pre McVay Rams? Sure. I mean, absolutely. They do whenever you talk about this low scoring output on offense, but I think as fans, you can take solace in the fact that, you know, as bad as they were in 2016, and a big part of that was the offensive line, right? And then McVay comes in, really puts a lot of resources in correcting it and building around Andrew Whitworth at all, right? And in 2018 or 2017, that offensive line takes a big step forward. You get into the playoffs for the first time in a long time for this Rams organization. So you can turn things around pretty quickly in a year. And you can really, it really shows that investments on the offensive line can really pay large dividends. But whenever one thing I am wanting to mention today, whenever you talk about Stafford and the Lions is, you know, the Lions own the Rams first round pick next year. Right. And at, at this point in time, that's the number seven overall pick and the Lions, their own pick is number 11. So what are the odds the Lions finish th the season with a better record than the Rams at this point? Because, I mean, you know, they really they have won two in a row. They're really building momentum and the Rams have lost three in a row. So uh, things are really the trajectory these teams are taking are really diverging at this point. Yeah, it's really um, surprising as, you know, the, like, just like, I guess, uh, 
you know, the fact that the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are better than the Broncos, you know, and it's uh, this whole thing here. It's the best news in the world that the Rams won the Super Bowl as former Turf Show Times managing editor Joe McAtee tweeted during the game. Thank God that the Rams did win the Super Bowl because at least if it wasn't for, you know, that Super Bowl win, Chris, as you mentioned, the alternate reality where the 49ers win the NFC championship. I mean, if the Rams got knocked out by the Bucks or or the 49ers or even the Bengals, it would just sink so much harder to have to deal with uh, the fact that it feels like you cannot continue with the plan. You know, the same plan that worked all the way up to winning the Super Bowl, it feels like you can't continue with that plan. Do you think that major changes need to happen, or is this just a rough spot? We've seen the strategy work, but now we're seeing the cost of it. Um, I don't think you can just redo the strategy because we're still we're paying for it now. Um, it's going to have to be a pivot. Uh, we've seen Sean McVay and Les Snead adjust, and I do feel like they'll adjust their strategy strategy moving forward, but they're going to have to adjust their strategy with minimal draft capital. Um, that's first that first round pick would be nice to have right now. But if we have that first round pick, then that means we wouldn't have Matthew Stafford. We'd still have Jared Goff and we definitely wouldn't have had that Super Bowl. So we can't fault the strategy too much for it works uh, for, because we've seen it work. It's just now we're, we're paying for it. And I mean, it's it's worth it. You know, the plan isn't in, in my opinion, the plan isn't to. All right, let's consistently put a, a team in contention. No, let's win the Super Bowl. We win the Super Bowl. We can we can deal with a little bit of misery after it. If you put together a competitive team and it never amounts to a Super Bowl victory, then you still haven't won anything. So the strategy worked, but yeah, there's going to have to be a pivot to uh, see what else can work going forward to kind of get us out of this slump with the uh, some of the failed draft picks that we've had recently. Yeah, I mean, the, the draft has been just such a uh, drag, you know, it's it's really what you look at and you look at the draft picks over the last five years, really. I mean, when you really break down, why did the Rams win the Super Bowl personnel wise, just talking about the personnel, four first round picks went to Stafford and Ramsey. You found Aaron Donald in 2014, changed the whole uh, face of the franchise direction of the organization. You know, just a miracle that he was available at 13 with hindsight, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, you've got those five first round picks. Uh, and then you got this fantastic Cooper Cup selection in 2017. Um, and then, you know, this great signing of Andrew Whitworth uh, and, and you know, just smart little additions here and there all the way around. Um, but this year, you know, now all of a sudden it's just looking at all the positions where you need help are now being filled by guys who the team picked in the draft, second round, third round, their highest selections, you know, for these years when they traded those first round picks and you've got, 
you know, a lot of the names that are are drawing the most ire of fans this season, like David Long uh, today uh, came up for bad reasons um, on a drive where it was just like over and over and over again. David Long was the guy that was on the other end of that play. And, you know, that's a third round pick. You know, you got uh, last week and, and all the uh, upsetness over Bobby Evans. You know, that's a third round pick. Uh, Bobby Brown's not even playing. That was a third round pick. Terrell Burgess was cut. That's a third round pick. You know, all of the, the issues where it seems like this isn't just you had a bad year in the draft, JB. This is you're going year after year without finding players who you can trust to start uh, in the NFL. So, uh, JB, what, what, what do you think? Um could it just be a bad run or do you think the the Rams have a bad process and they're drafting somewhere along the line? Well, there's a chance I'm being too optimistic, but I think, you know, the Rams don't draft people to play in a year or two and you want to see those developments take time and you can plug them in in year three, year four and reap those rewards. Right. So maybe you take comfort in, yeah, as bad as this offensive line has been, you really like Coleman Shelton's a keeper, Chandler Brewer's a keeper, Alaric Jackson, he might be your starting left tackle moving forward, right? So these players that have been forced into uh, playing into action this year, maybe before they were ready, you know, they're getting they're getting experience and they're really developing moving forward. So guys like Darion Kendrick and Russ East on defense too. So um, maybe you can turn it around in a year. I don't, it's either that, or I guess just how old the supporting cast is, right? You're tied to Matthew Stafford no matter what. He's 34 years old. He's not getting any younger. Uh, you just have to add in reinforcements. There's no time to like try to move on from these guys because that's not really how you've structured your salary cap. So uh, you just need to incrementally upgrade over the soft season and hope that it's enough to put you back in contention because once you're in the tournament, anything can happen. I mean, JB, I can usually go for you for some nice um... – Worst case scenario action, I think, scenario wise. Uh, so, you know, do you see a potential, you know, worst case scenario here for the Rams in the sense of could we be looking at a team that's four and 13 or five and, and 12 and and potentially really needing to figure out like, hey, this isn't just a keep it together. This is like you need to change out a bunch of players. Could you see that happening? Well, the only two people in the entire world that know that is Les Need and Sean McVay, right? And if they don't think that incremental upgrades are going to put this team back in contention next year, you absolutely have to tear it down to the studs. And, you know, I've said this multiple times at this point already, but, you know, the, you took advantage of this inefficient draft pick for player trade market when you acquired Jalen Ramsey and all these other guys, Matthew Stafford, right? And now there's so many people that are so many more people that are in that market and willing to make similar acquisitions. Uh, maybe you see what you can get for a Cooper Cup. Maybe you try to get rid of Jalen Ramsey because, you know, you're going to have to you know pay him more money if you want to keep him on this team moving forward. And maybe you take all the dead cap right now and you, know, you tear it down to the studs and uh, you're pretty much put together a replacement team. And then maybe in two years you have so many draft picks and so many emerging young players that you can really turn this thing around quick, kind of like what the Lions are doing. And, um, you know, that maybe next year they really take their big step forward. So that's been a two to three year process. Right. And that as fans, it's really difficult to go through. And there's not a lot to look forward to because you can easily go through that process and not, you know, and the team not be good at the end of the day. But it's up to Sean McVay truly 
whether they feel they can make incremental upgrades and get this team back towards the top of the standings next year, or if that's not the what they're looking at, you absolutely have to tear it apart. Yeah, and I think that when you look at it, uh, there's really no you know benefit here to the Rams losing any more games. You know, trying to do their best to whether that's trying to just be seven and ten or eight and nine, just trying to put their best resume forward. Uh, you're not getting the benefit of a higher first round draft pick. Uh, I don't think there's going to be. I just don't see much value difference between say pick thirty five and forty five in the second round. You know, just trying to win the most games possible because you don't want to leave uh, the team looking like. Aaron Donald needs to question it or Sean McVay needs to question it or Matthew Stafford needs to question, you know, how much longer he's going to keep playing. And so much is tied to Matthew Stafford because you also can't risk like getting rid of, you know, saying, Oh, well, we're getting rid of a bunch of our best players or a bunch of our best players are leaving just as Matthew Stafford's contract is starting um, on the contract extension, which hasn't even started yet. So uh, Chris, do you see a, potential you know do you think the Rams are going to avoid that worst case scenario and you know it's just sort of a bad run I mean it, it looks like it's going to be a, a double digit loss season coming uh, I don't think that they're going to be tearing it down to the studs I don't Sean McVay is not going to sign off on that because Sean McVay is probably only sticking around while these main core players are here so it, it they wouldn't get rid of them because he doesn't want a rebuilding project uh so they're gonna have to you know first of all it's definitely worst case scenario no one saw all these losses coming uh and they're coming in bad fashion they they're not close uh cooper cup is gonna be gone for a, a little bit of time uh, where our starting quarterback is getting just bullied all season long in the pocket um it's it is we are living worst case scenario uh in terms of what they can do to right the ship in the off season i think i think getting just getting to the off season will help knowing that we don't have to continue it, we're going to get a clean slate right sean mcveigh less need yeah we're talking about how bad the draft picks have been now Last year, we weren't talking like this. We were talking about how the strategy works because we've been able to hit late. So it's a con it's a completely different conversation just because of how the year has played out. All right. I'm not going to discredit the fact that they can't write the ship. I expect them to write the ship going forward. But there's not going to be any writing the ship this season. This season, it is what it is. Yeah, it does feel like, you know, there's not going to – I think that the best thing, you know, still, it's like you got the Saints next week and getting a win next week. As much as it feels like there's nothing that could get the sour taste out of the, of the fans' mouths after, you know, this loss and last week's loss, you know, where you think, oh, man, just having that uh, opportunity to beat the Bucks and have an important NFC victory and to keep the bucks out and, uh, and just missing out on that. And then, you know, needing this game against a very, 
you know, bad Cardinals team without their starting quarterback and not able to come out of the victory at uh, home. It's it's just very disheartening. But I think if you beat the Saints next week, all of a sudden it's, well, maybe if this happens and that happens, it actually could be, you know, so it's just about getting the uh, the sundial turned around and seeing um, something bright, brighter tomorrow. But, you know, right now, especially with the Cooper Cup injury looming, we hardly even really talked about it, uh, uh, you know, but it does feel like such a hard way to envision where the Rams stack up uh, today. Uh, I mean, in the standings, it's, it's pretty much at the bottom, as, as you said, JB seventh overall in the draft order um, thoughts about like, just what you want to see next week against the saints that would make you happy as a Rams fan. Well, you're getting healthier on offense and maybe Larry Jackson comes back. And at that point, you know, with Coleman Shelton and you know the late Chandler Brewers playing, you have five guys in the offensive line that you feel good about. So you're, as of right now, objectively the worst offense in the entire league, even including teams like the Houston Texans that are also, you know, pretty putrid. Uh, I want to see improvement. You have too many good players for that to be the case. And as you get these offenses, these reinforcements back in the offensive line, uh, they just flat out have to be better. And especially this is Sean McVay's baby, the offense. Um, you know, if Matthew Stafford's back, uh, you know, this is his worst season since his rookie year by almost every objective measure. So you just expect more from him. And the standard is higher for this Los Angeles Rams team. And uh, you got to have some reason to be optimistic heading into 2023. Uh, Chris, what would make you happy uh, as a Rams fan that you want to see next week against the Saints? And honestly, I hate I hate the Saints. So I personally <laughs> really want to win this particular game. Uh, but overall, I just want us to kind of, and we don't have any control over this, but I want us to get out of the game in the following games as healthy as possible. And that's what it's about for me at this point. But I hate the Saints. I want to beat the Saints. Yeah, that I mean, uh, there's always those uh, strong emotional ties to any game. And, and I think maybe uh, there wasn't enough of that today against the Cardinals because the Rams had owned them so, uh, you know, so much, so entirely for so long, as far as long as Cliff Kingsbury has been there, especially Sean McVay has been with Rams. So, you know, didn't have that today, didn't have that sort of feeling to it. And uh, that is unfortunate. And I, I just keep coming back, I think, to the draft. You know, I think it's it's really makes the Rams look like sort of the Raiders of day two, you know, because they've had so many uh, draft picks in that range um, and they just haven't come through. So I think what I'd like to see against the Saints and for the rest of the seasons is someone out of that group to emerge uh, and and look like, a valuable draft pick because, and, or, and, you know, and I'll extend that to Lance McCutcheon, you know, maybe I'll let Lance McCutcheon try and come in and save it. So we'll see what happens next week against the saints. This is turf show times, the podcast We've got two more episodes coming this week and uh, hopefully we'll have more positives to talk about coming forward after this one. So hit subscribe, find us on Spotify and go to turfshowtimes.com and turf show times on Twitter. That's it for this episode. Come back next week for another.